Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the HR revolution or evolution, no matter what way we look about at it today. Uh, business is changing, but so is HR. Um, people's demands of what they're looking for in their employer or who they choose to work for is changing. Uh, we try to address these challenges and concerns and maybe gaps that you're experiencing today through conversations with thought leaders like Jim Malvaso today. Um, at a world-renowned organization, Constellation Brands, we try to learn through conversations with HR practitioners and professionals, as well as other industry experts, so you can start to apply this in your day job to enable your success and maybe provide more value, not only to the business, but also to the employees at the end of the day. So with me today, I have my buddy, Chris Theron. Thank you, Kevin. And as Kevin mentioned, everybody, really excited to be back for another episode of the HR Evolution as Kevin mentioned, our guest today is Jim Malvaso. He's a senior vice president of human resources with Constellation Brands, international producer and marketer of beer, wine, and spirits. And we did some homework, Jim. While your educational background may be in industrial and labor relations, you obviously have honed your HR experience and expertise over the course of your career with companies such as Corning, Danaher, and Garlock. On behalf of Kevin and myself, Jim, thanks for taking time out with us to join us and uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much. Glad to be here and uh, good, to, good to be chatting with you here today. So thanks. Awesome, awesome, Jim. And we're going to kind of start right into uh, just learn a little bit about you. It looks like you're at home today, but uh, it looks like uh, typically HR practitioners, professionals, it's not believed that we have lives outside of work. Clearly, it looks like you do. So we're just going to learn a little bit more about you, the individual and the person. So if you and I were to head out tonight to go to your favorite restaurant spot, where are we headed here in Rochester, New York, or globally? Oh my gosh, oh, great question. Um, so I'm a big fan of Italian food. Um, so Pani Vino is great. Um, enjoy red as well, although that they don't you know, not necessarily all Italian, but uh, Pani Vino for for Italian food, and then Red just does a great job um, with their with their uh, with their cuisine. So really enjoy that getting out and about. Um, so that we'd be heading there, probably uh, enjoying a. A cocktail and then uh, probably a bottle of wine over some great food. So that would be. Uh, well, I was waiting for you to bring in the California <laughs> Reds, you know, to that conversation. So <laughs> that's, that's, absolutely. Jim, based absolutely. on a conversation you had previously with Kevin and, and Tyler White, um, I learned that you're a Dave Matthews fan. So if you had to pick out your favorite DMB tune, which which would which one would it be? Oh my gosh, that's so hard. He's got so many great songs. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm a big fan of seeing Dave live. So any any song um, that they play live is fantastic. Um, big, big fan of The Warehouse, um, okay. that song, that tune, uh, Two Step, number 41, Bartender. Those are all some great tunes. So That's enjoyed nice. uh, listening to them and the band jam uh, to, to those songs. Those are some classics. I love it. Thank you. Those yeah. are some classics. <laughs> Too bad Tyler's not on today to play some of those violin uh, <laughs> solos there. But That's uh, right. <laughs> well, the other thing is that I think we can learn not only a lot about people from the music that they, they listen to, but also some of the movies that they watch. Uh, we just, uh, we obviously have uh, put really going to the movie theaters on pause, but Jim, what was one of your favorite movies of all time that you saw in theaters? Oh, gosh. Uh, I'll go back a few years. Tombstone was a great movie. Yeah. Um, those kind of was back in my college days. And then we'd hit the rerun and watch that all the time, it seemed like, in our in our dorm rooms. But uh, uh, Tombstone was a classic. Really enjoyed that. Tommy Boy was another one. Um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, whenever I want to have a laugh, 
you know, I've got my kids uh, who are in high school introduced to that, and they just think it's the funniest movie. Yeah. So it's a it's a movie that stood the test of time, which is cool. It definitely has. We've actually used Tommy Boyd clips in some of our sales training classes that we've done. So great, great movie. Um, all right, let's jump into this, Jim. And I think one of the things that we've been talking a lot about on our show is, you know, as we look to transition and find out what the new ways of working are, um, you know, we put ourselves in a lot of what I'll call environments or conditions that maybe we weren't so comfortable with. So um, long way of getting to my my question for you is, um, I think the the importance of having someone there to help us, you know, through these transitions, help us navigate what we need to do, whether it's a formal mentor you may have or an informal mentor, you know, who are the people that you look up to that have helped you or maybe are helping you even now today, you know, as you kind of navigate to take on what's next within the organization? And then, you know, what do you look to provide those uh, individuals who maybe are looking up to you for, you know, kind of a, a mentor type of relationship? Yeah, so I've always looked to um, you know my my manager uh, speak to to him specifically at Constellation. He's uh, been my my manager for eight years, and um, he's been an advocate of, of mine through that time. And uh, so grateful for all the the mentorship and and friendship and guidance that he's provided uh, me. I've had an opportunity to move into a couple of different roles, you know, in my time at Constellation, and it's always um, you know with, with his. Uh, recommendations and and perspectives um and so i'm very grateful um to, to have somebody like him um as a mentor over these past few years so you know and then i try to do the same with my team right i'm a, a big believer in, in supporting the development of uh, the folks that are around me um and i have a great team um, a great team of leaders that are up and coming within the organization and you know i like to push them and challenge them just like i have been um and you know it's fun to see you know, when you put the challenge out in front of somebody, how they aspire to to succeed, and and uh, and it's it's helpful uh, to guide them and and provide some perspective along the way. Um, but uh, that's probably one of the most rewarding things that I, I think I do and we do collectively as leaders um, is to help you know see our team and help mentor folks to uh, to achieve their aspirations. Love that. And uh, I think you brought up one of the, my favorite words is, is leader, right? Um, leadership today is, is really one of those words that uh, we see frequently or infrequently within HR, right? And I've worked for organizations that do not have, I guess, as um, robust of an HR department or a relationship within the business to ask what they need or want or the employees um, to help them with that scenario or situation. Um, and leadership is kind of something that I know is a, a passion of yours, Jim. But um, in order to become a leader, we have to build trust. We have to tr build accountability. So can you take us back to maybe that first job at Corning or maybe the first kind of couple of days or months in your role there at Constellation Brands that you built those types of internal relationships necessary to get to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's all about your brand and, you know, who are you and, and what do you stand for as a person, as an individual? Um, so you can have, you know, all the schooling and, and, you know, the education behind you, but, you know, what you deliver to an organization, what you um, help them uh, achieve, you know, all speaks to, you know, the, the characteristics that, you know, you, you have as an individual. And so, you know, for me, it was always around building you know, positive working relationships with folks. Um, and, I, and I would do so by listening, 
um, trying to understand challenges um, that they may be encountering, and then come up with thoughtful solutions on how to um, assist and help help them, whatever the challenge may be. And you know, you're, you're you know building um, sort of the trust and respect of of your counterparts is so important. So it's you got to deliver what you say you're going to deliver. So don't overpromise and underdeliver. Um, and so I feel like by going in and doing those things, you know, whether it was at Corning, whether it was at US West, when I first came out of grad school, I always had a mind towards, you know, making sure I put my best foot forward and, and building those relationships and doing what I said I was going to do. And with that came, you know, the accolades of, well, this is someone that gets something done. Doesn't take a lot of bureaucracy to work with Jim. Um, is able to really reach out and, and connect with people in a positive way. All those things I feel like have carried me through in all the roles that I've had. Um, and it's allowed me to, you know, achieve some fun positions, you know, along the way. So, so important. And I think like the thing that you said is all of that requires you to have time. I think Jim, right. It's like, so in order, you can't be bogged down in just the administrative tactical um, processes that, that could very easily get bogged down with. Right. Um, it seems like you are available for those discussions and conversations and those one-on-ones to really understand what motivates them on an individual level to meet them really where they are um, and find those solutions to their problems that they're facing every day and not assuming what challenges that they may be facing. I love that. So thank you. Absolutely. It's an investment in time, right? I mean, it's an investment in time, um, you know, and I think it's making people feel valued, you know, for whatever circumstances that they're encountering. And so if you're authentic in that way and, and, um, and listen, um, you know, making those connections and, and finding solutions, you know, with, whatever problem that people may be experiencing, you know, happens pretty, um, can, can happen pretty easily. So yeah. you want to share just real quick, uh, could you share any of the questions that you start with when you are first trying to learn, I guess, what challenges they're facing? Any, any questions that come to mind that, that some HR practitioners or professionals could start using like today? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I think one is, you know, I've always start with, you know, do you know the individual? Do you understand the business? Um, I, I like to do a little bit of a, um, you know, just as you guys did with me, yeah. you know, just tell me a little bit about you. I think, you know, making some of those connections on a personal level is important. It is for me. Um, I, it makes me feel that that connection um, to somebody that I'm working with. But then it's just all about, you know, listening, you know, help me understand, you know, what you do. Um, you know, what are some of the challenges that you're experiencing today with your team, within the function that you're leading? Um, you know, and then based on what they say, it's all about follow-up and probing. Um, and, and, and I think that is also a way in which, you know, we as HR practitioners can show that we're listening. So you kind of follow up with additional questions and, and, um, really kind of pinpoint, uh, some of the pain points that they, they, they may be experiencing, but open-ended questions are great. Um, and just get people talking. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. I think one of the things, Jim, that we've seen over the past two years, again, you 750 people, roughly, you said in the, in the corporate office there, and now we're all working from home. And I think that's kind of changed the dynamic from a management standpoint and a leadership standpoint. We're almost redefining leadership in this new world. Are there any things that maybe you did at Constellation or, you know, any specific areas around the topic of leadership that maybe you focused on either from an executive team or even down into the management team that you could share with us that might be helpful? Yeah, I mean, I think the last two years have been very challenging for, for businesses and leaders. Um, you know, we, we have an environment where, you know, in, in manufacturing, we, we had to be on the front lines. Mm -hmm. And so 
working remotely wasn't an option. And so, you know, that had its own challenges and in, in trying to stay safe and, and, and keep people um, working in a, in a productive way. Um, you know, on the other side, you know, we have folks that, you know, work in the corporate offices that have been primarily working from home. And so um, that's also had its, its set of challenges. And I, I think one of the things that we've really pushed um, on our folks is to give people some grace and, and, and time to, you know, manage and balance, um, you know, the work and the home life, um, you know, whether it be caring for kids or adult, you know, parents, um, you know, whatever it was. And we really try to give people the space um, to do that as effectively as they can, because um, the demands for the job were, were, were um, immense. You know, people felt like they couldn't close their computers. They always had to be in front of them. And so, you know, we continue to try to emphasize, you know, being able to take time um, for yourselves, vacation, um, you know, you know, at five o'clock, you know, turn it off, whatever it is, you know, as a leader, you know, we felt that was important to make those connections with our teams. So, um, you know, I, I felt like, you know, specifically, you know, having those conversations um, up front to understand what challenges that they have, just put everything on the table so that, you know, we can have open and honest dialogue around that, um, what was, is, and continues to be important. Um, we're not completely through this, although it does feel like we're getting toward the end of the end of the tunnel as people start to come back to, to the offices, which is great. Um, and so I know a lot of folks are excited to kind of get back into seeing each other um, more regularly. Um, we have a great culture um, where we like to do happy hours and those sorts of things, you know, through throughout, um, you know, the weeks at the end of the day. And I know people are really looking forward to, to kind of making those connections. So we try to do those things, you know, remotely, virtually, happy yeah. hours and, and, you know, fun little events on Zoom and WebEx and just to kind of keep those connections going um, and, and just, you know, have a little fun with folks. So um, all those little things, you know, I really felt like it, it helped us, you know, survive, you know, through all this. I think that um, we're going to have some interesting challenges ahead um, as we've either been either working um, remote or we've been in the office. And now we're truly going to have a hybrid scenario where you have more people coming into the office, but yet you're still going to have a good um, population of folks that are working remote. And that's going to present a whole nother level of challenges for managers um, and leaders. So um, we're talking about that now. I, I wouldn't say that we've got the, you know, the silver bullet to kind of fix all that. But, you know, it's something that's on our minds um, as we're looking to the next few months, uh, again, as people start to come back into the office. So really cool. And it, it yeah. seems like you guys have your pulse on um, the employee, right? Um, and really ensuring that you have those open lines of communication and and, and opportunities, I guess, for them to share their feedback and insights with you. And, and you guys are smart enough to actually listen and, and utilize that to your advantage. Um, one of the things that you mentioned, like the challenge, and, and we have a great culture. One of the challenges with culture I have found is that with finance and sometimes with senior leadership, they don't understand culture in its entirety, right? Um, because it does constantly change, right? Um, how are you, I, I, I know in kind of doing our homework on you, you mentioned that you continually show how HR is adding to the bottom line of the organization. Can you kind of get into that where, where you show the effectiveness of maybe a program or a type of communication that you rolled out and just ways that you are proving that from a data and financial perspective of the impact that you and your team are having on the bottom line there at Constellation Brands? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a number of areas that, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we have with an HR that we do some of those things. I mean, I'll, I guess I'll speak to, um, our, you know, our talent acquisition function. Um, you know, 
we have an in-house group um, and a number of uh, you know, recruiters and sourcers that help us fill roles within the organization. You know, conversely, you know, organizations can go externally and use outside agencies to, to fill roles. Um, and, you know, that, that also has its, you know, its costs associated with it. Doing so in-house, you know, is, is more favorable from a cost perspective for us. And so, you know, we've been able to, to showcase through the years um, that, you know, adding additional resources on our team versus going outside to, to fill roles with an agency is more cost effective. And so that's sort of a level of analysis we do, you know, throughout the year um, to show, all right, what, 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 what roles have we filled, you know, internally? And there are times where we do have to go outside to use an agency just because we might not have the particular expertise or it's a certain level in the organization that we need to, to go outside and, and, and fill that. But so we do, we balance those, um, you know, conversely and, and showcase, you know, where the value is by hiring the right people and, and having the size of group that we do to be able to support the needs that we have within the organization. So, you know, Kevin, that's, that's one example, uh, you know, I, that, that I, I can speak to. I, um, you know, we, we do the same as we look at, you know, our development programs and training programs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, do we uh, build uh, with an agency outside or do we do some of that um, development in-house? You know, again, the cost benefits, you know, are a little bit more beneficial if we do so in-house in versus always going externally. So those are decisions that we make, um, you know, throughout the year and as we, you know, plan for our budget. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're a cost center as an HR function, but, you know, the key is, you know, what we deliver and the quality of programs that we deliver to the organization and the value that we bring. And so, you know, I think through um, whether it's uh, whatever we've done, you know, we feel like we're, we're, we're bringing good value to the organization because we continue to get the support to, uh, um, to, to, to spend the money and, and um, add the cost that we need to. Yeah, and I think you you would agree too. Is it to sometimes takes senior leadership to have that people centric focus, and where it carries down to everybody else. And, and I love that you shared that. I'm going to challenge you because you mentioned that you are a cost center. But when you look at the talent side of things, right? And a Gardner study in 2007 suggested that HR departments of yours, and I know Constellation Brands has this department, actually increased revenue by about 400 and some odd million, um, because right when you're focused on the talent and the quality of talent and who you're selecting outside of a third party, that intrinsic value that it may not be as quantifiable as possible. Actually, you guys have more of an influence on the future direction of the organization yeah. than, than most would think. So I love that. And I know you guys are focused on like the ESG movement and really Constellation Brands took it upon themselves to look at the diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, in a lot of organizations, it was more of a lip service. Um, it was more of a marketing campaign. But here, Constellation Brands decided to move your headquarters to downtown Rochester, where some people have been avoiding for years and not going down there. Why was that so important to you and the team? And have you started to see that, how that's already impacted internally um, as you guys continue to, to talk about the move downtown? Yeah, so we have. There's a lot of excitement going on with uh, with our relocation downtown, um, which a couple of years out still. But uh, in, in terms of build out, you know, two two years goes by pretty quick. Yeah. Um, you know, so we we had the opportunity to uh, to explore different um, areas and, and and buildings, you know, for us to to move into both, you know, within the suburbs, staying where we are today, or going downtown and. You know, we recognize that, you know, Rochester is going through a revitalization um, effort and we wanted to be part of that. 
and we wanted to get closer to our, our consumers um, and, 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 the, and the, the, the city of Rochester. Um, and this is allowing us to do that. Um, and so we feel very um, positive uh, about what Rochester is doing. Um, and, you know, to have Constellation, um, you know, there is, uh, and, and I think about what, you know, Constellation and the Sands families have done, um, you know, throughout the years is, is uh, you know, philanthropically has been, you know, fantastic. And, you know, again, this is just another opportunity for us to, to you know, give back and, um, be in an environment where I think we'll be able to create, you know, other opportunities for folks in downtown. So you bring, you know, 400 people downtown, you know, we'll be spending money in, in coffee shops and restaurants and, and, and that sort of thing. And I think that's all going to be positive as we look at the, um, uh, you know, the economics here behind that as well. Definitely. And thank you, because I think you're going to have other companies that want to follow your direction and your lead. So I know that's something that the Sands have to continue to do. So thank you for all the things that you're doing for our community here, uh, Jim. Thanks. Um, One of the things that I'd love to know a little bit more, Jim, is, you know, we talked about culture and, you know, you've got, as we said, 9,000 employees, you know, kind of worldwide. How do you keep an organization that big and that diverse engaged. So from an engagement standpoint, can you share, you know, maybe what your approach is to ensure that, you know, you are spending the time listening to those employees and then, you know, doing, doing what's needed in order to, you know, create the action plans to keep that large group of, of, of employees engaged? Yeah, no, but simply we ask, um, we ask employees. And so we, we have a mechanism to, to do pulse surveys, you know, throughout the, throughout the organization, we've run numerous surveys um, over the last couple of years, you know, as we've been managing through the pandemic uh, to understand where people's pain points are, how can we help address um, uh, and solve for, for issues that people are experiencing. So, um, you know, that's something that's been incredibly helpful to us, um, you know, during this time. But we also run, you know, company-wide surveys. And so, you know, within that, we're able to pinpoint you know, actions um, more broadly as an organization, but also more specifically within particular functions, you know, um, because not all um, uh, functions have sometimes the same challenges. And so that allows us to kind of get underneath there and be, you know, pretty honed in on um, addressing, um, you know, what's going on. We have sort of a one, two, three approach. You take, you know, one area, do two things about it and talk about it three times throughout the year um, to, to our, our action planning. Um, and so that's been an effective, you know, uh, tool for us. You can't boil the ocean, um, but you can kind of take, you know, the, the top, the top, you know, issue that a group is, 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 um, is having and, and do something impactful with it. And, uh, we've had some success around that. Have you noticed just talking about it? Cause we, we were talking with, uh, just, uh, Adam Gibson a few episodes ago, talking about sometimes this, the goal setting, right. Is a win for the business and, and the team, right. It's almost like that's enough. Um, but he talked about kind of what you're saying and suggesting is that that plan changes, especially here in 2022, when change is inevitable with this global economy that we're in, um, I guess, how do you, when, did you notice when you implemented, I guess, revisiting that goal three times a year, did you see the increase in effectiveness of like just the implementation, the project itself, the, 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 the progress towards the goal? What did you notice when you started talking, I guess, about that more frequently? Well, so I would say, you know, taking an approach like that allows you to, you know, course correct along the way. So, you know, as the year goes on and you've, you've said, hey, this is what we're going to focus in on, um, 
you know, you get three months into it and go, you know, is it, is it hitting the mark? Are we doing what we set out that we're going to? And if not, then let's course correct. And so I think that's the benefit of it is that you just don't, you know, continue to do something, you know, throughout the year and hope it's working without checking in on it. Um, you know, otherwise we're not being effective, you know, effective leaders and, and, and moving the needle in that regard. So, you know, I feel like coming back to it two or three times throughout the year allows you to, to make sure that, you know, the, the, the countermeasures that you've implemented um, are working. And if not, then you kind of course correct and tweak. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the beauty of, um, you know, kind of coming back to it a couple of times. So cool. Because I would, I would venture to ask, right, how many times did you set a goal and it did not change throughout the year? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very very simple. You know, yeah. just things, things happen, right? I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's funny. We're going we're going through goal setting. You know, um, you know, here in the next couple of weeks, and and uh, you know, I th- like to think more broadly as an organization. You, know, you have revenue targets and and yeah. that sort of thing, and those things you know don't change very often. But as you get down to some specifics within certain functions, yeah, I mean, you have some broad goals, but you got to make adjustments along the way for challenges that um, you know may 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 surface. So you got to be Love nimble. That. One of the things that we're starting to hear more and more about right now, too, is performance, right? And, and it's going to be, a, Chris and I were joking about it this morning. I said, mark my words, I think performance is going to be that next keyword within HR, right? Um, when we're spending more for talent, right, we need to understand what the value is that they're providing back to the organization. And without set metrics or set goals or expectations, how do we know that they're providing that much value that we're providing now in an additional cost for human capital? What are you guys starting to do? And I know you guys have probably been in tune, much more in tune with inputs for desired outputs that are constellation brands being more data driven, but are, is, is performance management something on the, on the pipeline for you guys or on the whiteboard for HR uh, to really get your arms around um, as you guys continue to evolve and reskill and upskill your workforce? Yeah, so performance um, is is um, a process that we've been working on for the last year and a half, um, call it two years to evolve. Um, we've gone from, you know, doing reviews once a year, you know, managers and employees feeling like they have to write, you know, war and peace, you know, yeah. at the end of the year to kind of document what they've done. Um, you know, managers are having to do the, the like um, to, to do something more frequently throughout the year. And so, you know, this past um, fiscal year for us, we, we, we implemented these changes where we're doing quarterly check-ins with folks. Um, and so we have a cadence and a process you know, within those check-ins to, to have good dialogue because um, that's what it's all about. It's about having good conversation between manager and employee on what's working um, well. And if something needs to be course corrected, you're talking about that versus it all being done at the end of the year where it's sometimes too late. And so we've gotten more efficient and effective and simplifying our processes this past year. Um, and we've gotten some great feedback from our managers and employees, you know, with the process that we put forth. So yeah, I think more and more organizations are moving to that type of model. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, had been on our radar for a couple of years and, you know, we feel good that, um, you know, we've, we've looked to address that and, and are having some good success this year with it. Right. And you're just increasing the communication and that's, that's huge because what that, that's not static. Like you said, just like setting the plan is not static because it's constantly changing and evolving that socioeconomic complex outside of our walls that we have zero control over. So right. I love that. And I know your level of commitment is just really increasing the level of communication to bring more understanding and awareness. So that's, that's huge. Thank you for that, Jim. Well, I think it also goes along the lines of the hybrid workforce 
as well too, because you're not all in the same place all the time. So having that observation or making those check-ins, it's just another touch point that managers can have with their employees in order to you know, make sure everything's still on track. And you need to move yeah, absolutely. Ahead. And we, we try to embed it in, you know, we, we recognize that um, a lot of managers and employees have one-on-one -on -one discussions. And so, you know, this process was really intended to be a bolt-on to that, yeah. you know, touch point that people are already having. Let's formalize it a little bit um, with a couple of questions to ask um, and then document thereafter, um, just so you have a record of the conversation. And so, um, like I said, it's, it's one of those things where we try to take some of the administrative burden off folks because everybody's got so much going on um, and really uh, bolt on again with, with existing conversations that, you know, typically already take place. So it's been pretty effective for us. And what was the buy-in yeah, for that you, from the, like the management level as you're proposing the new changes and, you know, how did that yeah, go yeah, so, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I think we do well at Constellation is we, we, we do touch base with stakeholders before we roll out programs. So we want to get voice of customer from folks. And so, you know, at the end of, you know, previous performance cycles, you'd hear, gosh, this is very administrative. Well, you know, why do we got to go through this? We spend so much time on whatever and we listen. And so when we come up with solutions, we, we take that and we speak to leadership teams and say, this is what we're thinking about doing with performance. What do you think? What would you change? What would you do differently? And so then when we get to the point where we're actually rolling it out, we've really done a good job of yeah. taking in um, input from stakeholders and, and find that the effectiveness of rolling these out goes very well um, because of that. That's great. You're getting, and do you feel like it's because they're a part of the process and they feel more involved and that's why you're getting their buy-in? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think as HR practitioners, sometimes where we can fall short is by holding up in a room, you know, coming up with this great pencil and delivering that to the organization when they wanted a pen and a red pen, you know, so, <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where you, you need to have, you know, You're input. Right. and I would say 100%. across all of our, our um, uh, center led functions, whether it be in comp or benefits or talent management, talent, we're, we're always trying to get input and buy in. Sometimes it takes a little longer to, to get to the end game. Um, but we found, and I found historically that once you do that, you do get the leaders buy-in and you can have those healthy debates with folks. We not always agree yeah. and we may end up going a direction where they didn't necessarily want to, to go, but they've at least been heard, um, and, yeah. and listened to. And, and, um, at the end of the day, then, you know, it's easier to get buy-in from folks. So. So being such a large organization and you mentioned that I loved how you put that center led functions, right? You talked about compensation, compensation. I'm having conversations daily about that. Right. Um, then you mentioned benefits. Then you mentioned just overall like human capital strategy, right? How do you in such a large organization and understanding that even HR is siloed, if you will, how do you ensure that these conversations are happening across these center-led functions? Because a lot of them do touch each other, um, especially from the talent attraction, retention, development, and engagement perspective. How do you guys as a team or as a function within HR keep your lines of communication so you're not doing de dual data entry or dual, dual efforts? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, mean, I think, you know, we are our stakeholders as well internally to HR. And so we have a very strong human resource leadership team um, and we talk regularly. And so we're, 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 we're updating each other on, you know, programs, uh, philosophies, you know, that we may be seeing and, and wanting to, to test with each other. Um, and, you know, we have great dialogue and good debate along the way. Um, and, you know, in those meetings, um, we again may disagree at times, but when we leave the meeting, 
we've all stacked hands um, with the direction that we're going to, to, to go, be it in, you know, whether it be a compensation or benefits or talent management type decision. So um, we, we've created an environment with each other where we, we feel safe um, to have healthy debate and, and good discussion as we look at uh, evolving our function um, each year, year over year. And so uh, um, I think it's a testament to, um, you know, the people that we have, our leaders, and uh, um, again, it's been an effective way for us to, to, to manage, you know, the, the question that you asked there, Kev. Right. Jim, I, I'd love to know just over the course of your career, you know, and, and just in the various roles you had, what were some of like maybe one or two kind of big aha moments for you just from, a, from your own learning growth and development aspect? You know, were there certain things that you, you were working on or projects or experiences that you just kind of stepped, you know, took a step back and was like, wow, that kind of taught me something about how to be a more effective leader or really how to, you know, provide the value that I'm looking to do or build that relationship. Anything come to mind for you? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, one of the things that was pretty impactful for me was, uh, you know, a company I worked with uh, in the Southern tier here um, and uh, it was a company called Gunlock. And it was my first exposure to um, this idea of continuous improvements and taking um, Kaizen and principles of lean manufacturing and applying that not only to the operations, but also to um, uh, the administrative functions like HR and, and finance and legal and stuff like that. So um, for me, that was a really big um, aha and trying to understand the tools um, to always get better. And at times, you know, we can get complacent and think, well, this is good enough. Um, but in that environment and that culture, we always wanted to get a little bit better. Um, you know, someone told me there's no best, only better. Um, and so that's sort of something that's always stuck with me, you know, ever since I, I worked at Gunlock. And so, you know, you try to carry that into the other roles that you have and looking at things with a continuous move, a continuous improvement mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, companies like Danaher are very good. Um, they have a, something called their Danaher business system, um, which is fantastic. And again, they're, they're pretty disciplined in their approach. And then organizations adapt um, things a little differently along the way. But I think as an HR practitioner, that's something that's always helped me is always, always have an eye towards, all right, this is how we do it today. And it may be working, but is there a way that we could do it a little bit better, yeah. more effective, um, get a little more value out of it? So um, I feel like that's something that, you know, has been helpful to me as I've navigated my career um, and, and uh, you know, try to push my team to, to be thinking that way. And, and, and we do a pretty good job at, um, you know, evolving and, and uh, rethinking some of our processes. That's great. Just like you said, find, finding the best way to do things, I think, is always having us ask the question why and then why helps us kind of peel back that onion to really find some of the root causes to these symptoms that we may be facing as a business and really cure the disease um, that might be going on. One of the things that I love is this the continuous improvement, just that model that you mentioned, because we're moving into that direction, right, Jim? We're talking about new technology coming available, um, which will require new skills, um, skills that may previously not exist today within the workforce. Making that continuous learning environment a key priority or a top priority for a lot of organizations to develop their people into tangible um, revenue generating human capital, right? Yeah. Um, and we're also seeing some, some things outside of just what we thought human capital was. And we're seeing spokes off of now human capital from PR to marketing to, to all these other things. 
what are you guys starting to do um, as you identify um, where the future needs of the organization are headed? So you're setting that right foundation that I know you guys um, are focused on because you did it for performance management, but setting up that continuous learning environment with across that 8,000 to 9,000 employees that you have today. Yeah, so we have a um, we have a learning platform that we refer to as our University of Constellation Brands, um, and we have different silos within that um, to help address you know people's learning journeys. Um, and so whether it's something that's going to be more self-directed, um, you know, we have a platform called LinkedIn Learning um, that allows people to go out and self-select you know any particular area that they they want to um, you know better themselves in. And then we also have, you know, specifically led training, um, you know, for folks, whether it be in, uh, you know, new managers, uh, mid-level managers or executives. Um, and then we also do things around experiential learning. And, you know, that's all about role development or, um, you know, finding the right opportunity and, and being intentional about moving somebody into a different position to get the skill sets um, and development that they need. So, you know, those avenues, you know, help us um, in making sure that we, um, you know, are, are developing our folks along the way. And that really drives engagement. You know, you see a lot of people leave today because they don't, I'm not saying a lot of people leave organizations because they're not getting, you know, what they aspire to do within their careers. And so one, having conversations with folks about, you know, what, what their aspirations are and then being open and honest with them about, you know, um, the development needs that they have um, really kind of direct us to, to the type of, you know, training or um, jobs or experiences that, um, they need to, to be successful. So, um, you know, that's how we're addressing and, and working to invest in, in, in human capital along the way. Um, and, you know, we, we've, I feel like we're doing a good job of it. You know, it doesn't mean I think, that people I think don't. you're doing a great job. I think from yeah. uh, just, you guys probably are seeing an influx of candidates applications um, and not really spending as top of dollar from a marketing perspective or PR perspective that some of these other employers probably are facing today. And one of the things that you said is just that, that comfortability with change, you know, and the change is inevitable. And what we do at an HR and how we provide value is also going to change with it. Um, and that's something that I think that you've been very successful over your career is keeping your pulse as to, well, how do I add value, right? Yeah. And if I'm adding value, then I'm, that, that improves or increases um, my relationship with others within the organization. Um, and therefore, I can get the financing necessary to do some of these programs that we know is, are very important. So I love that. We talk about on this show as we're wrapping up is the revolution of HR for the evolution of business. And I think you've touched on some of the where the where we're headed in the future of work. When I say the revolution of HR for the evolution uh, of business to you, Jim, what does that mean in context to the future of work and where we're headed? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the reality of people working remote and not being in offices is a reality that we're going to um, have to be, uh, you know, dealing with in, in the future. Um, you know, this sort of distributed workforce is something that um, if you're not allowing employees to do is probably a competitive disadvantage to organizations. Um, and so how do we accept that and allow employees to thrive in that space, I think is going to be um, something that HR folks are going to have to, to deal with, you know, now and, and into the future. Um, and so with that's going to come challenges. I'm not, you know, I can't say specifically what they all are, but, um, you know, we need to be open and, and honest with employees along the way that if it's, if it's working to be remote, great. If it's not, what can we do differently, you know, with that continuous improvement mindset to, uh, to make sure that it's working 
you know, for all parties involved. So um, that's exciting, um, you know, for me, I, I, you know, we're a manufacturing organization. So obviously we're, we, we can't do that remote. You gotta be on site. Mm -hmm. So those things will continue, but you know, the, the, the functions that support, you know, those businesses is something that, um, you know, we're going to see more people uh, working from, from home. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to allow companies to also probably get some pretty good talent that they wouldn't otherwise necessarily get having to relocate somewhere, um, you know, for a job. So, um, those are exciting. Those are exciting challenges. And, and uh, you know, we're going to be in the forefront of it all with an HR from an HR perspective. I love that because that's yeah. the whole reason why we do this show, right? <laughs> it is an exciting time to really be in HR and to really re revisit or reevaluate, you know, um, what our role is and what our function is within the organization, because no more is it just the administrative, no fun party planning police, right? <laughs> I think we're starting to see where we can really add value. And I think that that is what HR professionals at the end of the day want is just what everybody else wants. They want to be listened to, they want to be valued and they want to be heard. And sometimes that takes us to uh, work on our communication, you know, upskill or reskill and, and data literacy and storytelling. Um, these are the ways that we can start building our accountability and raise our accountability within the organization. So we stop putting things on lists, like you said, Jim, and not crossing anything off because that's only really deteriorating our relationship internally with senior leadership and the value and potential value that we can add in the role itself. So I'm excited. You're excited. I want to thank you and your team over at Constellation Brands, because I know you guys fight to make the best people that you possibly can within the organization. And in turn, just like you guys moving downtown, you see that you have that impact on the community, whether whatever you can donate, but also how can you improve the lives of the individual to improve the community as uh, collectively as a whole. So thank you so much for all the hard work that you're doing. And thank you for being a, a guest on the HR revolution with us today. Hey, thanks so much for uh, having me. I really enjoyed it. Um, hope you guys have a great rest of the day. Thanks again.